We are in a uh, series on Rooted, Foundations for Kingdom, kingdom Living. Th- these are things that are going to revolutionize your, your life here on earth. Um, they're going to revolutionize your, your um, relationship with God, and uh, they're going to revolutionize the way that you are able to minister and interact with, with other people in your life. Um, if we just be doers of what we're hearing. If we believe and do, amen? So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you are here in our midst. You are in a distance, God. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. The God of love is in this place this morning. And Heavenly Father, love cannot be, be taught. It needs to be experienced. And we ask that you would... Open the eyes of our hearts that we would experience the love, the tangible love of God this morning. It's it's something that only the Holy Spirit can bring revelation of. And so we receive that revelation of the love of God now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about foundations, right? And that structures are only as good as their their foundations. And each each individual has a foundation in which their lives are built upon. Do you know that? You have a foundation in your life. And we talked about our root system. Our, our foundation is made up of our belief systems. And we have two types of belief systems. We have our theology and we have our philosophy. Every single person in here is a theologian. You have a belief system about God. Even an atheist has a belief system about God. And your theology, your belief system about God dictates your philosophy, how you see yourself and how you see the world. This is huge. And people don't, they just live their life with not understanding this. That what you believe about God has an extreme influence, impact on every aspect of your life. Every, everyone lives their life through the, their theology and their philosophy, and it doesn't matter whether you um, realize it or not. It's how it is. <laughs> In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. For the last two weeks, we've studied on that parable that Jesus taught about the wise person and the foolish person. The wise person was someone that heard the word of God, and he was a what? A doer of the word of God. He not only heard the word of God, but he was a doer of the word of God. And by hearing the word of God and being a doer of the word of God, gave him a foundation in which he was able to build his house. And when the storms of life came against his house, it stood. But he says a foolish man, a foolish man was a man that heard the word of God, but wasn't a doer of the word of God. And what do we mean by doer? I mean, do we mean I got to get busy for God? No, they heard the word of God. They heard what Jesus said about God. They heard what God had to say about their life. And they received it. They believed it. And it became who they were. They lived it out. They lived it out. But the foolish man, you know, there's foolish men hearing the word of God this morning. Hopefully we don't have any foolish men or women in, this, in here this morning. They hear the word of God, but they don't allow it to affect 
their theology. They don't allow it to affect their philosophy. And they build their house upon shaky sand. And when the storms of life come, great is its ruin. And Jesus is saying the exact same thing here. If you go through the Gospels, you can see him saying this over and over again. Believe what I say. Believe, do what I say to do. This will lead to eternal life. Jesus said that a wise person is one that hears and lives according to the word of God. Here in John, he says that his disciples are those that believe on him and continue to dwell in his word. Then they will know the truth, and the truth will make them free. You see, truth is truth, no matter what. You believing it doesn't make it true. Truth is truth whether you believe it or not. But only to the extent of our knowing does it have the ability to free you. Until you know the truth, it can't set you free. And Jesus came to reveal truth to us. Again, this is another example of Jesus saying that his theology, what he declared, what he shown about God is true theology. Jesus is ultimate theology. And that his philosophy on life is the only ones that have the ability to free you and then empower you to withstand the storms of life in this world. It's amazing, and I shared this last week, but it's worth putting up on the slide this week. It's amazing how much bad theology, terrible science, and destructive philosophy came from people's reaction to their pain. There are so many people that have belief systems about God based on an experience that they had in their life. Our lives need a stronger foundation than our experiences. Our lives need a stronger foundation than our circumstances because they can change, right? Some days you're up, some days you're down. We need something more eternal than just our daily experience. For they're not always truth. Your circumstances, your experiences aren't always truth. They might be facts, but the facts can change. The facts can change. But truth is eternal. Truth never, ever changes. Truth never changes. So what is truth? What is truth? In John chapter 18, verse 37, it says, To this end was I born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Truth came into the world to declare truth. Truth came into the world to reveal truth. And Pilate stared truth in the eye and did not recognize it. Jesus is truth. Jesus is the truth of God. We we too can miss his truth. We too can miss truth by allowing many things that are not truth to become our foundation of life. Your truth, your theology of who God is 
will dictate every choice that you ever make in your life. Choices of your employment. And not only of your employment, but why do you work? Why do you do the things that you do? Most of us have never even thought about that. Most of us work because of fear. If I don't work, I'm not going to eat. Well, that's a miserable way to live. Right? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you do the job you do? Why do you get up in the morning? Do you realize that your theology will dictate your philosophy and even tell you, give you a purpose for why you get up and go to work every morning? Choices on marriage and how you treat one another. Choices on how you raise your children or why do we have children in the first place? Why do we even have children? There's so many people that, that don't want to bring children into the world. Why? Because they have a faulty theology. They don't realize what it means to have children and what we're reproducing in the earth is the imprint of God. Choices on what you do with your time, what you do with your money, what you do with your resources, how you see and value people are based on your theology. Those who have a faulty theology about God has very low value for life. How society should operate. Your theology and your philosophy will dictate how society should operate. And, and it, it, it uh, is dictated completely about your, by your belief about God. Jesus is truth. Jesus is the truth of God. And Jesus is the manifestation of the love of God. For God is love. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to be a manifestation of God's love. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, who in sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past to our fathers by the prophets, have in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds whom being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. God has always been revealing himself to humanity. He spoke through the elders of Israel, and he spoke through the prophets of God, but the true expression of who he is is only found in the person of Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is not Eternal, but eternity lives within him. He is outside of eternity. He is. Eternity lives in him. He was never created. He's the uncreated one. All things were made by him and through him, and by, by him are all things held together. Apparently, this is news to most Christians. Because a recent survey taken of evangelicals said that 60% of Christians surveyed believe that Jesus is the highest created being by God. I think we got to get off our self-help type messages. 
When we don't, we as believers, as Christians, can you even call yourself a Christian if you don't believe that Jesus is God? That if you believe that Jesus was created by God, that there is a pecking order in the Trinity, that God the Father is on top, and then Jesus is a little lower than, than God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, he's spooky, we don't want, I don't even know about him. No, it's all God. They're all God, they're all equal, three, one, manifested in different personalities, different aspects. It's amazing. But Christians don't understand this. They don't believe this. And we wonder why we're so screwed up. we got to stop teaching self-help messages and turn to the one that can give us help, which is Jesus. Look at this. In John chapter 14, verse 9, it says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? According to that survey, this could be said to the church. Have I been with you so long that you don't even know who I am? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you know what this is saying? This is saying, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Don't worry, I'm going to offend you here pretty, pretty soon. Because you're all agreeing with me right now, but I'm going to say something that's going to make you tilt a little bit here in a second. Look to Jesus. If you want to know the Father, if you want to see the Father, if you want to know what he is like, who are we to look at? We are to look at Jesus. In John chapter 6, verse 46, says, No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. No one has ever seen God. No one has ever understood God except the one that is from God. And is God. And in, in, in John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is truly God and is close to the Father has shown us what God is like. Do you know what this is saying? No one has known God but Jesus. You don't get it, so now I'm going to offend you. This is saying that Abraham did not know God. He did not have perfect understanding of who God was through his experience. This means that Moses did not see God. So, so we can't have perfect knowledge of, of God by his experience. This David did not know God so that we can't have perfect Knowledge of who God is through his experience. Elijah did not know God. Elisha did not know God. The prophets did not see God, so we cannot know God perfect through their experience. How many times have I heard, I'm preaching out of the, of, of the covenant of, of Jesus Christ, and someone says, yeah, but Moses said this. Oh, yeah, but Elijah said this. Oh, but it says this back in the Old Testament. Let's use a page from, from God the Father. They were on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they fell asleep. Sounds like Sunday morning. They fell, as, they, they fell asleep, and they woke up, and there was a bright light, a, a blinding light, 
And Peter and James and John, they seen Jesus standing there. And there was Moses and there was Elijah. And Peter opens his big mouth and says, let's do something. Let's build three tabernacles so we can live here. We can dwell here forever. Let's build a tabernacle for Moses. Let's build a tabernacle for Elijah. Let's build a tabernacle for Jesus. And immediately they were taken away, and a voice from heaven said, This is my son. Hear ye him. Jesus is God. And anything, any doctrine, any theology that you have that does not look like Jesus Christ is a false doctrine, and it's a faulty theology. Jesus is God. I can't get Jesus is God. And so many of us have such screwed up theologies because we don't focus on Jesus. We focus on anything but Jesus. Jesus is the end of the story. He is the climax. True, truth can only be known about God through Jesus Christ for he is God. So if we want to know what God is like, we need to look to Jesus. By looking to Jesus, we can have a clear understanding of the love of God. In Jesus, we see that God was motivated by love. For God so loved the world that he gave. He he, he gave. He was motivated. He loved so much that it caused him to get off his throne and do something. As a matter of fact, he had the plan from the beginning. He wasn't caught off guard. We were created out of his love, and we were redeemed by that same love. We, in Jesus, we see that God is motivated by love. He is a God that is moved by compassion. How many times have you read that Jesus, God, was moved by compassion? Compassion, not pity. Pity has condemnation tied to it. You feel sorry for the person or their situation, but you blame the individual for where they are. If they just get a job, if they just make the right choices, if they just get off drugs, if they just change their life, if they would just do the right thing, they wouldn't be in such the mess that they're in. Thank God we don't have a God of pity. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing that we don't have a God of pity. A God that looks at us in our mess and say, if they just didn't eat from that tree, if they just do what I told them to do, if they just make the right choices, they wouldn't be in such the mess that they're in. And compassion, compassion is not Sympathy. Sympathy, again, feels sorry, but there's distance. You feel sorry for someone's situation, but, but you stay distant. It doesn't get involved. It doesn't get its hands dirty. They say, oh, that's such a bad situation. Oh, I wish there was something somebody could do. Sympathy, sympathize with the individual, but is a, doesn't get in the mess. 
Thank God we don't have a God of sympathy. Thank God that Jesus Christ isn't a God of sympathy. Thank God that he doesn't look from his throne in a, in a galaxy far, far away and say, look at them. They're clueless. They don't understand. There's such a mess. There's such heartache. There's brokenness. Look at what they're doing to one another. I wish somebody could do something. No, our God is a God of compassion. Our God is a God that's compelled by love. Our God is a God that came down and got in the mess, got dirty, and became one of us. What kind of God does that? There is not another God in all of the religions made up by man that give you a God like that. A God that becomes a servant. A God that that makes himself obedient. The God that puts himself in the hands of sinners. But you, you can't look at Jesus and have a theology of pity. You can't look at Jesus and have a theology of sympathy. He reveals that God is a God of compassion. The compassion of Jesus is the compassion of Almighty God. You can't look at Jesus and see him moved by compassion and say, well, that was just Jesus. No, that's Almighty God. If you've seen him, you've seen the heart of the Father. Don't ever be so foolish to confuse his passion with our compassion for one another. We must not be so silly to compare our thin, wavering, moody, dependent on smooth circumstances, human compassion with Jesus, Jesus's, for he is God as well as man. When you read in the gospel that Jesus was moved by compassion, it is saying his guts were wrenched, his heart was tore open, the most vulnerable, vulnerable, Part of his being laid bare. The ground of all being shook. The source of all life trembled. The heart of love burst open. That is what it means when we read the simple phrase, he was moved by compassion. In Matthew 18, 27, It says, then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. We know this. This is the parable that Jesus told about the the man that was owed a debt that he was unable to pay back. It says that the master was moved by compassion and forgave him of all his debt. We have forgiveness through the compassion of God. Have you experienced the compassion of God's forgiveness? That he's forgive you of all your debt? Past? You know those things that come back and try to make you disqualified from his forgiveness? Future? And the sin that you've committed today, he's forgiven you of all your debts. Not till the next time you screw up. Do you believe that? See, a lot of Christians don't believe it. A lot of people, Christians don't believe in the compassion of God. They think that God's compassion only works until the next time they screw up. 
Then they got to repent. Then they got to jump through the religious hoops. Then they got to get holy and, and clean themselves up and, and ju- jump in all these things and earn God's approval again. See, we don't understand compassion revealed in Jesus Christ. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. God is moved by compassion and wants to care for you like a shepherd. Do you know the compassion of your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We teach our kids to memorize that psalm. But do we believe it? Do we believe that God wants your cup to be running over? That he wants to lead you and, and guide you by the still waters? That he wants to restore your souls? That, that he, he wants you to be overflowing with blessing? In Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. How many reasons have you negotiated with God on why he should heal you? How many promises have you made? Jesus healed by the... By compassion. Oh God, it'll be a great testimony. Oh God, you're going to get the glory. Oh God, all this is going to happen. And and we think that we have to find a reason for God to heal us. Because we don't believe he loves us. We don't believe that he heal you just because he loves you. And if you don't believe that God loves you, how can you have faith? How can you have faith? You can quote all the scriptures you want, but if you don't really believe deep down in your core of your being that God loves you and he wants to do good for you just based on that alone, listen to the things that we say, the bargaining chips that we make. Jesus was moved by compassion. He was moved by love to heal. And we don't believe that. We believe that God has an alternative motive. That God's up on his throne and he's so little that he's thinking, well, what can I do today to make people believe that I'm real? 
What, what can I do today to, to bring myself glory in the earth? Do you really think God is like that? You've made a God in your own image. God doesn't need a thing from you. He doesn't need anything from you. We need from him. We are dependent on him. He is not dependent on us. He's a God of compassion. He's moved by love. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, it says, Now Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint in the way. Do you know the God that compassionately wants to provide for your needs? You know, we talk about tithing, we talk about sowing, talk about giving. Do you know that that's actually just a, a reflection of the love of God? Hopefully. Hopefully, it's a reflection of, of God gave to me. God is my source. God is my provider. I want to reflect that in the world. I want to reflect that in the world. Hopefully, you're not saying, well, if I give today, then, I, then God, I force God to bless me. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people think that way, though. God gives. He sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. And do you know the rain is a good thing? He was talking to farmers. He says, I send the rain to good people, I send the rain to bad people. God, if God pulled away his blessing upon this earth, we'd be doomed. In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, it says, However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. This is the demoniac. This is the man that had a, a legion of demons with him in him, that no man can bound him, that, that Jesus cast them out into the herd of pigs. Remember this story? And why did Jesus do that? Did Jesus do it because he was in the way from where he wanted to go? Did he do it because he wanted to be, get glory? As a matter of fact, the people of the town told Jesus to leave after the miracle. This was a man that found the compassion of God. Because of God's great compassion, he is willing to deliver you from all destructive, imprisoning behaviors and release you from the enemy's grip. God loves you just the way that you are. But thank God he loves us enough not to leave us there. In Luke chapter 7, verse 12, it says, And when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, and the, the only son of, a, of his mother, and she was a widow. So this woman was left completely alone. 
And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. He touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. That's God. That's the compassion of God. Is that the God you know? If that's the God that the church knows, then why do we say stupid stuff like, well, God just needed another angel in heaven? Why do we say stupid stuff like, well, God wanted to win, win, win a few t- souls at the funeral? God took them so he could get glory. We say, we say stupid, stupid, stupid stuff. Why? Because we don't believe God's compassionate. We don't believe that God truly loves us. Don't be fooled into the idea that Jesus did things to bring glory to God. Even though that was the result. Don't be duped into believing that Jesus did these things. That people would believe that he was the Messiah. Even though people did. Time after time, there was one reason and one reason only that Jesus did the things that he did. Jesus did the things he did because he was moved by compassion, the compassion of God. Luke 10.33 says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, He had compassion. This again was a parable that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan, about how a man was overtaken by robbers. They robbed him, beat him, and left him for dead. And this parable is a picture of dying humanity, that humanity has been robbed, that humanity has been beaten up, and humanity has been left by dead, by the enemy, and by sin and the destructive nature. And the priest and Levi, representing the law, came by and didn't, couldn't do anything to help the man. But a Samaritan, one that was in the flesh, part Jew and part Gentile, representing Jesus Christ that was fully man and fully God, came and rescued the man, healed the man, took care of the man. And the reason why he did it is because he was moved by compassion. Jesus wants to restore humanity because he's moved by compassion. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it says, And he rose and came to his father, but he was still a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is the story of the prodigal son. Jesus revealing the good, good father. That is always looking. Searching the horizon for his loved ones to come home. And he sees them. And he's moved by compassion. 
And he, this is Jesus saying what God is like. And he runs to them, wraps his arms around them. And in the Greek, it literally means, and he can't stop kissing them. And then he restores them to sonship, to daughtership. As a child of God, he puts the ring on their finger, the robe on their back, sandals on their feet, and says, let's have a party. That's who God, Jesus revealed God was like. Is that who we reveal that God is like? The Christian life does not make sense unless in the depths of our beings we believe that Jesus not only knows what hurts us, but in his knowing still seeks us out. Whatever our poverty, whatever our pain, Jesus' plea is come now wounded, frightened, angry, lonely, empty, and I'll meet you where you live. I'll love you as you are, not as you should be. Because on your own, you'll never be as you should be. Do you really believe this? Do you really believe this? With all the wrong turns that you've made in your past, the mistakes, the moments of selfishness, dishonesty, of degraded love, do you really believe that Jesus Christ loves you? Not the person sitting next to you, not the church, that he loves you. Beyond all worthiness and unworthiness, without caution, regret, boundary, limit, no matter what's gone down, he can't stop loving you. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Are you rooted in the love of God? Because if you do, if we can, then you will have the theology of Jesus. And his theology is one you can build a victorious life on. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.